0: Hijacked. A Beechwood Adventure. A novel by G. Michael Smith. CHAPTER ONE. A VERY SOUR MORNING William? William? William, wake up, called William's father from the kitchen. William groaned and rolled over, mashing the pillow into his face. He tried to shut out the sound and recapture the dream. His mind drifted back to the field on the edge of the wood. The grass was cold. He could feel it wet against his cheek as he crawled forward on his elbows, army style. He stopped every few minutes and listened and rested. Whenever he stopped, his men also stopped. He could hear them breathing behind him. They were a team one unit working together he was proud to lead them he had to get to the cave where they would be safe once they were in the cave they could barricade the opening and keep the zombies out he could hear the zombies moan as they wandered aimlessly about if the zombies found them they would have to fight All they had for weapons were small alder branches with spikes at one end. He knew how to handle himself, but he wasn't so sure about the rest of the guys. Zombies were hard to stop, after all, they were already dead. (coughs) Moaned an old woman, who appeared right in front of them. Her mouth sagged open so that her chin almost touched her neck. William! William! Get up! The sound gurgled out of her throat as the spit dripped from her sagging bottom lip. Suddenly the old woman zombie turned and jumped on William's back and pushed him into the soft ground. William screamed, pushed her away and opened his eyes. He sat up quickly and looked at his father. William, get out of bed now, his father ordered. I have to go over to the Cooper place this morning and you have to come with me. Oh, do I have to? whined William. You have to. Now get up and eat said his father i have to get the tools in the truck what's for breakfast william moaned from under the sheet he had pulled over his head his dad turned in the doorway whatever you can fix and eat in 10 minutes because that's how much time you have i want blueberry pancakes william shouted as he quickly sat up in bed His dad moved to the foot of the bed. He was wearing a T-shirt with Chevy's Rule on the front. It used to be white. Now it was grey with green and brown stains across the front where he wiped his hands. It had not been washed for at least a week. That's how long his mother had been gone. His jeans were black. They had not started out that colour. "'I am not your mother.' "'You can talk her into making pancakes when she gets home. "'Make toast or cereal. "'I don't have time, especially when you sleep in,' "'said his father, with his hands on his hips. "'Mom and Julian won't be home for, like, forever. "'By then I won't even remember what pancakes are. "'Please, Dad,' pleaded William." ''They will be back in six weeks. You'll survive until then,'' his father said sharply. ''You now have eight minutes, or you go without breakfast.'' ''All right,'' William snapped. He got out of bed and went into the bathroom. William's mom had gone to Europe with his older sister. William's Aunt Beth was a photographer, and she was working in Eastern Europe for the summer, photographing castles. She had invited Valerie and Julian to spend the summer with her. The only good thing about their trip was the absence of Gillian. She could stay in Europe forever for all William cared. Gillian was not William's favourite person. Valerie was William's mom's name. She made the best pancakes, especially during blueberry season. William loved blueberry pancakes more than just about anything else. The thought made his mouth water. I'll never have blueberry pancakes for the whole summer, he thought, splashing water onto his face. He rubbed dry with the towel, ran his fingers through his hair, and got dressed for work. He would have to rake, wheel, and dump, rake, wheel, and dump. That was his job whenever his dad worked at the old Cooper place. His dad was renovating the inside, landscaping the whole backyard, cleaning and fixing the gutters and painting just about everything. Mrs. Cooper was moving in at the end of the summer and his dad had gotten the contract to fix the place up. William got a contract to be his dad's labor force and he had not even signed anything. just wasn't fair. Every other kid in Beechwood had their summer free to do whatever they wanted, but not Billy B. Oh no, not him. He was a prisoner, a prisoner in a labor camp who would never get blueberry pancakes ever again. William Earl Braithwaite was technically his full name. He was named after his grandfather on his mother's side. William Earl is what his mother and yucky sister called him whenever they wanted to make him feel stupid. William Earl was the worst name anyone could ever have, and it was his. He hated it. William was bad enough, but the Earl part was just too much to take. He wanted to be called Billy. Or Billy B, or Bad Billy, or Bodacious Billy, or Big Pad Bill, or just about anything with Bill or Billy in it. All his friends called him Billy, but no one in his family would. I christened you William Earl, and that's what I will call you. Believe me when I tell you, you will thank me when you are older, his mother would always say. So no one inside his home would ever call him anything but William. William, three minutes, his father called. Billy quickly pulled on his sneakers and ran into the kitchen. Cheerios was his only choice. He dumped some into a bowl, opened the fridge, grabbed the milk, poured the last of it over the cereal. He grabbed a spoon and shoveled it into his mouth. Three minutes, he thought, was more than enough time to eat his cereal. Suddenly... Billy gagged. He ran to the sink and with one fluid motion, dumped the cereal, spit his mouthful into the sink, turned on the tap, sucked in and spit water back into the sink in an effort to clean the foul taste from his mouth. Dad! He yelled after spitting for the fifth time. The milk is sour. I thought you were going to get fresh milk. "'Not my job,' his father called from the garage. "'You know where the house money is. "'You drink milk. "'Buy some.' "'What am I going to eat?' yelled Billy. "'Not my problem,' his father called back. "'You got two minutes. "'And don't think I'm going to leave you behind. "'When I leave, you're coming with me. "'Breakfast or no breakfast.' Billy opened the fridge and grabbed an apple. He quickly searched the pantry and stuffed a granola bar in his pocket. He dashed toward the door to the garage. He heard his father's truck start. He screeched to a stop, bit down on the apple and held it in his mouth, ran back, grabbed a banana, ran out and jumped into the truck just as his father was slowly pulling away. The Cooper Place was just outside Beechwood Glen or the Glen, as everyone called the housing subdivision on the west side of the freeway. Billy lived in Beechwood Glen all his life. He knew every nook and cranny of the place. The subdivision backed right onto the freeway. It was separated by a concrete fence covered with vines. The fence was supposed to keep anyone from wandering out onto the freeway, especially little kids on tricycles who didn't know any better. It was also supposed to keep the traffic noise down. Billy had never noticed the traffic noise. It also separated the subdivision from the Cooper Place. In fact, the subdivision, the freeway, and the subdivision on the east side of the freeway all used to be part of the Cooper Place. It was chopped up when they put the freeway through. Before that, it had apple, cherry, and plum orchards, and a rooming house for miners and lumberjacks. All that had changed. It was now just the Cooper Place that backed onto the freeway on the west side. The Beechwood Glen beside the Cooper Place, the freeway, and the Cornborough Estates on the east side of the freeway. Billy's father pulled into the long, winding driveway, leading down to the old Cooper house and garden. It was a ten-minute drive from their house, but a five-minute walk if you knew the shortcut. The shortcut was a secret. Only Billy and the rest of the Beechwood Braves knew the shortcut. Billy thought about the gang and their upcoming meeting. It was set for 330 His father usually took him out for lunch, but this afternoon he had an appointment with a client and was leaving Billy to work on his own until two in the afternoon. After that, he was free to meet with the Braves. The Beechwood Braves. That's what they were called. They were the best and he was their leader. Vince Patterson used to be the leader, but his family had moved away. After that, they had elected him. The thought made him smile. The truck door on his father's side slammed shut. ''Come on, time's a-wasting,'' his father said. That's what he always said before he started something. Billy got his gloves, pushed the wheelbarrow full of tools over to the garden, and started to hoe and pull weeds. It would take forever to pull out all the weeds from this gigantic ancient garden. Weed patch was a better term, because that's all there were. Weeds. He had asked his father one day why he didn't just rent a tiller and do it in an afternoon. He replied that tillers cost money, and why would he spend money when he could get it done for free? He laughed and tousled Billy's hair. Billy had not laughed. Billy chopped at a giant thistle. "'He cut it off three centimeters from the ground. "'He whispered, "'Timber!' to himself as the thistle fell. "'You gotta get the root. "'Dig down and get the root first. "'If you just chop it off, it'll be back next week, "'and you'll have to do it again. "'If you dig down now, it'll be easier in the long run,' his father said. "'It will take me forever.' "'This ground has not been dug in like a thousand years. "'Look,' said Billy as he chopped at the base of the fallen thistle. "'There's more than just thistle roots down there.' "'There sure is. See those trees, the maple and the cedars? "'They both love water and send out root tendrils everywhere. "'This old garden is full of them,' he lectured as he took the hoe from Billy.' You have to chop like this and take a little patch of earth at a time, chop and pull out the roots, and go nice and deep like this, he demonstrated by chopping for a few seconds. He handed the hoe back to Billy. Got it? I guess there's no point in saying I don't get it, is there, replied Billy, scrunching up his face and rolling his eyes. No, William, there's no point in saying that, replied his father as he walked to the far side of the house. Billy started to hoe. He pulled out roots, and he hoed and pulled and hoed and pulled. Finally, the wheelbarrow was full. Billy sighed, dropping his hoe, and wheeled the load over to the compost box beside the fence separating the cooper property from the glen. The fence was made of concrete with vertical slats that made it impossible to climb from one side to the other. He looked up at the maple tree on the other side of the fence. It was at the end of the boulevard that separated Maple Lane from the fence that separated the glen from the freeway and the Cooper property. It was old Not just really old like Mrs. Cooper, but really, really old. It started from a seed long before the Cooper place even existed. At least that's what everybody always said. One of the branches was so humongous it reached right over the fence and right over the compost pile and right over the old garden shed and right over the raspberry patch at the end of the garden. Billy glanced quickly up at the spot where the branch went over the garden shed. That was a gang rule. Never look up at the maple tree when anyone not in the gang was around. Even if no one was near you, someone might be watching you and might follow your gaze to the branch that came within one meter of the garden shed roof. That was the way. That was the secret passage to the Cooper place. You could walk along the path that ran beside the fence, and when no one was looking, dart behind the maple tree and climb up into the branches. Once you were two meters from the ground, you were invisible in the mass of gigantic green leaves. It was only a matter of walking along the giant branch and holding it up until you were above the garden shed. If you dropped straight down, you were out of sight of anyone in the glen. Billy dumped the heap of roots and weeds into the compost box. He was about to turn back to the garden when a flash of sunlight caught his eye. He covered his face with his hand. Billy looked quickly around for his dad. No one was in sight. He casually looked up at the branch above his head and followed it to the garden shed roof. He slowly turned his back on the shed and looked away from the fence separating the cooper place from the glen. Billy spoke just above a whisper. What do you want, Jackie? He knew who was up in the maple tree It was Jack Houston, a.k.a. Jackie Spratt the Brat. The Spratt part came from the fact that he was skinny like the original Jack Spratt. You know, like the nursery rhyme. Jack Spratt could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean. The Brat part was because he was just so irritating. Jackie preferred to be known as Tinker because he liked to tinker with everything. Most of his toys were in various states of deconstruction. Jackie always said he took them apart in order to see how they might be repurposed. He had repurposed his old baby monitor as a surveillance device to spy on his sister. Billy smiled to himself as he remembered the day she found it. Jackie got grounded for what seemed like forever. He continued, I'm not turning around so you can use that mirror to flash the sun in my eyes again. What are you doing up in the tree? You know, you're not supposed to hang around the tree. You might expose the secret passage. If that happens, he paused, well, you know what will happen. Oh, I was bored and mom was going to force me to do some awful chore like clean the barbecue or worse, Clean my not-so-humble abode, a.k.a. my bedroom, Jackie whispered from above. You have no idea how the thought of that nauseates me. There are some seriously mutated flora and fauna under my bed that are best left undiscovered until they have reached the fossil stage of their evolution. So I vacated the premises." He always spoke using big words. Jackie had a rule. Why use one word to express yourself when you could use three? And the bigger the better. Billy hardly took notice of it any more, except when the brat used words he did not know, like flora and fauna. I know I'm going to regret asking you this, but here goes. What are flora and fauna? Ha! I'm glad you asked, Jackie proclaimed loudly. Shh! whispered Billy. My dad's around here somewhere. Okay, Jackie whispered back. The fauna would be my gerbil Mad Max, who escaped from his jail last week and has been hiding out. He was probably joined by an arachnid or two, as well as maggots from a blue bottle, The flora was probably Neurospora crassa or Aspergillus nidland's mold to you commoners growing on pizza crust or various other pieces of midnight snack leftovers. He grinned. Yep, sorry I asked, replied Billy. Now go home. But I thought I would assist my best friend with his chores, Jackie said as his hands parted the leaves, and he looked down at Billy. On second thought, your chores seem to be worse than the ones I just escaped. I'll just come down and keep you company. You just want to watch me work, retorted Billy. Oh, that too, laughed Jackie. I'll see you at my house this afternoon. Remember, the club meeting to discuss stuff. My dad will be gone to meet one of his new clients, Billy said, as he picked up the wheelbarrow. Okay, are the plums ripe yet? Can we stuff ourselves? What about the cherries? I know the Braves make a raid every summer. Maybe we could check out what's ripe. What do you think, William Earl? teased Jackie. We'll see James Percy, said Billy, smiling. See you this afternoon. He knew Jackie hated his real name more than William hated his. He pointed the wheelbarrow towards the garden as a rustle of leaves and the crack of a branch signaled Jackie's exit.